Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. everyone welcome again to another edition of big chris live the live stream and then the podcast thanks to those who are tuning into the live stream on facebook on twitter through the deanblundell.com twitter account youtube i believe we're on twitch as well and uh, of course available after the fact in audio for those who subscribe thank you and thank you for leaving your comments and your star ratings uh apple podcasts big chris live just search for it or spotify as well uh we're down one guest tonight uh technical problems on behalf of finney mcconnell he just got yeah i know he just got off of tour and he hasn't hooked up his desktop computer and he was trying to get in on the phone and anyways it's a big technical uh mismatch but no worries we're going to push forward to tonight's episode and i'm excited to talk about it because it's a couple of my favorite things uh the combination of celtic music and punk rock music now finney mcconnell of course uh well known uh with his work as the mother with the mahones but he also has a solo record out there so shout out to uh, finney and his solo record the dark streets of love we would have given it a much harder plug had he been here uh, but my other guest is a guy named johnny rowe and uh i personally know Johnny Rowe uh, as a bass drummer in pipe and drum bands, a very renowned one at that. He's played with some pretty great bands, 78 Fraser Highlanders of Toronto, Dalco Triumph Street out in BC. Um, and, uh, and, and that's how I best knew Johnny. But then, oh, he's got the mug. And I see you're rocking a, a Gordon, uh, uh, Gordon Duncan uh, sweater tonight. John. Had to represent, had to represent. So the uh, punk rock side of Johnny, I only recently discovered uh, because you've been publishing some of your uh, drum studio works, Caledonia Drum Studio, also from Caledonia, Ontario. Um, uh, I've been catching some of that on YouTube and I was like, wow, this guy's got some punk rock drumming chops. Oh, you got- <laughs> he, he, Sorry, he's coming in again. That's okay. Hey, it's the five-year-old. Okay. That's okay. Hey, man. Okay, we're live. Okay, so we got to go. Let's go. Okay. Good night. Good night, Chris. Okay, I'll see you upstairs. Okay. Out. Bye bye. Out. That's like the most pandemic. You get it, you know. That's the most pandemic thing that could happen. <laughs> yeah, man. I, well, I was watching your intro and I was just laughing because I was like, yeah, I get it, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah, yeah. You, yeah. So he's he's five tomorrow. He's five tomorrow. Yeah, it's just cool. like. We just, by, man. Crazy. we just had the six month anniversary with our with our daughter and and uh this is actually one of my top videos that i've had on on uh, social media i'll play it now just off the top for everyone this is my daughter dancing while well, jigging or bouncing whatever you want to call it to uh, to me playing uh my practice channel which is for the bagpipes for those who are unfamiliar with the term She likes it. She likes the music. Thankfully. Hey man, that's awesome. You, yeah. you got to start them young, right? 
Yeah, yeah, totally. And and I honestly, my goal was to just, I don't want her to hate the bagpipes. That was really mm-hmm. my goal. I just don't want her to hate them. I don't want her to cry. I want her to like the music. Uh, but now she seems to really like the music. She likes jumping to the jigs anyways, which is great. Mm-hmm. So yeah, having having kids in your life is is uh, certainly an awesome thing, man. So no worries to your young and they're busting <laughs> in on our podcast tonight. But Sorry I was, about that. Yeah. that's all right. I was in the midst of uh, plugging Wow, we've got some major technical problems tonight because now my microphone's farting. I don't know, man. Hang on a second, guys. That's it wasn't me. I don't know. You're getting that on your end too, eh, Johnny? I'm hearing it, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. I think this episode is cursed. And we're live, and maybe we're going to have to reconvene because we're taking off on flight right now. Actually, hang on a second. I got one. Ma- I got one last move to save this podcast. Hey, how are my levels now? I I can hear you fine. You got me. Okay, it's not going to be as microphone quality. It's coming off my webcam microphone. Yeah, I can still hear you fine. We can still do it. Let's carry on our chat, shall we? Children are a blessing, I believe, is where we left off. And then before that, I was plugging Johnny's uh, drum studio, Caledonia Drum Studio from Caledonia, Ontario. I discovered his punk rock chops um, through his YouTube, and uh, here's here's a sample of that. Black flag, eh? That that's that's serious. That's the real deal. That was one of the first records I ever bought with my own money. It was, uh, I think, Hard Day's Night. Um, second one was uh, Iron Maiden, Maiden Japan EP, which yeah, is basically yeah. like the Killers record, like a little live EP that they yeah. did. And then Black Flag, and that just changed everything, you know. Yeah, I think my first record of that era, I mean, I'm a little little younger than you, so I was Appetite. I think Appetite for Destruction, Guns N' Roses would have been my first purchase with my own money, if I'm not mm-hmm. mistaken. Great record. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, one of the all-time greats, and t- it stood the test of time, right? Um, and, and of course, the, the combination of the Celtic and the punk rock, it always, and that's why it was so great to have you involved, because I like that you have the the pipe and drum band experience, and then also the sort of the punk rock chops. And uh, of course, Finney would have been the living embodiment of what we're talking about here tonight. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we'll catch up with him on his solo record. And uh, I believe he's got a tour in November too, that he's going around on Ontario. So I hope to catch up with him on those, on those notes, but back to the Celtic music of it all. Uh, what is your, your earliest memory of the Celtic music sort of idiom and, and Johnny and, and like, when did you discover it? Like as a youth, or how how did it come? How did it come in front of you? Where did you find it? Um, you know, uh, it's funny. Probably um, my earliest kind of Celtic type um, music memory. Uh, I was lucky that I grew up in a household that always had a lot of music around. Um, you know, my 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 dad had quite quite a record collection. Um, you know, both of my older siblings were huge into you know the the rock bands of the day 
Um, and my mom, uh, being half Puerto Rican, was always kind of bringing that kind of Afro-Cuban kind of um, Latin-y kind of influence into the mix. Um, so there was always a lot of great music going on around the house. And, um, you know, being, I guess, maybe a typical kid, uh, you know, I, I was, you know, I grew up and I had a lot of the kind of stereotypical little boy interests. You know, I was into like collecting uh, little toy soldiers and stuff like that. And, you know, like all these things. And I always really liked watching marching bands. You know, I thought that was just the bee's knees. And, and um, my dad had a record of the Scots Guards regimental band with the pipes and drums from like the uh, mid late fifties. And, it, and one of the things that I remember about it was that the pipe major of the time was also named John Rowe, R-O-E. And mm-hmm. I just thought as a little kid, wow, that's kind of cool. But I just would stare at this record because I just, I love like the uniforms look so amazing, you know, and like still to this day, I'm kind of a big military history kind of buff. And I just like, man, I, I love, I, I love when I see like the, the, the military bands, but the pipe bands, just something about it. And I can't even explain how or why it wasn't like I had um, a lineage in my family of people playing the pipes or, you know, my, my grandmother on my dad's side um, was full on Cape Breton Scottish, but it was never like, you know, I was going to be forced to play the, the start playing the practice chanter or something. It was just one of those things. And and that's probably my first earliest memory. It was was playing this record, and um, and I it, like I for whatever reason I just thought it was awesome. I always thought the bagpipes were amazing, and it was just like you know, a couple of years later when I got a little bit older and I started taking lessons, it was just like a natural thing, you know. Yeah, yeah. Now, the the bass drum too is such a an important instrument uh, in the pipe bands because there's only one. It's like the goaltender in hockey. There's yeah. only one, and it's a key position. And, and you've, that's how I've known you. I mean, even years ago, I've never met you, but I just remember seeing you like in the beer tent with your sleeves rolled up and all the tats, you got your yeah. sleeves of tats yeah. going on. I'm like, wow, this guy's got a story. And now yeah. I'm getting that story. So I'm excited that we're doing yeah. this today. Well, I mean, I started off as a snare drummer um, when I, when I lived back out in the Maritimes and, 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 uh, you know, I progressed through through the grades very quickly. I was lucky I had some really, really amazing teachers early on. And I was basically, uh, you know, uh, I had like one-on-one instruction for the first several years of, of my, you know, learning how to play. So I progressed very quickly and just like sailed through all the amateur ranks, won, you know, all the, all the champion supreme um, titles in the amateurs eventually got into the professional and, you know, like my age started catching up to me. I was going away to university, things like that, not able to kind of get home as much for practices. Long story short, I ended up joining many years later, um, the Halifax police pipe band, which was at that point, a grade two band. And they were killing it in grade two, uh, right around this time. So it'd be around 1990, 91, um, basically like around my first year of university. And, um, and so anyway, their lead drummer at the time, David Danskin, he was, you know, uh, he basically what he wanted me in the core, but he was like, you know, listen, um, you know, we know you're going to be busy at school and that kind of thing. But, you know, we do need a bass drummer because our bass drummer is getting kind of long in the tooth. He's got some health issues and so on. And he's kind of stepping aside. 
So if you want to stay involved, that might be a way you could kind of ease into it, you know, and then we'll work you into the, the, the back line kind of at a later date kind of thing. And I was like, yeah, sure. And like, it was kind of just really like, mm, okay, sure. And it was just like, again, it was just like one of those things. I had no idea at the time that I was making this like big kind of like career move decision in pipe bands, but um, I just never looked back. And I continued to play solos uh, on, you know, on snare for maybe another two or three years. But, you know, I was playing bass in the band. And uh, that year, my first year in the band, we, we won the North American title like handily, I think by like eight points overall or something like we just slaughtered everyone. It was a huge grade two uh, field in Maxwell that year. And we just killed everybody, uh, won everything, uh, moved up to grade one, I think the year later, or maybe two years later anyway. And kind of the rest is history. Like the band kind of started trying to crack into grade one, which as I'm sure, you know, is very difficult. And, the band later renamed to the 78th, uh, you know, Halifax Citadel, which is what it's known as now. And in that basically, you know, in that time, uh, I transferred to Ontario and started playing with the 78th Fraser Highlanders. So, you know, and, and then, but yeah. it's funny because you mentioned like your pipe band career, right. And, and it's, and to outsiders that might even sound crazy. Uh, mm-hmm. But of course we're inside the fight club. We know what's up. Uh, yeah. uh, but to speak of it as a career is really quite accurate because, uh, you know, I saw on, on social media, shout out to Jamie Alfred. She's in Florida today. She flew from, from beaten Ontario, uh, to Florida to practice with a pipe band. You were part of the Dalco triumph street pipe band that was out in British Columbia. What was it like playing in a band on the other side of the country, having to be the the heartbeat of the band on the bass drum on the Mm -hmm. other side of the country uh, with that kind of commute, what was that like? Yeah, that was a, a a really unique experience. And, you know, obviously 14 years playing with the Frasers and, you know, like we, you know, we, we, we racked up a fair share of, uh, of titles, uh, you know, in, in the band there, um, you know, particularly in the, in the drumming. Um, and, um, you know, obviously played under Bill Livingston as well early on, which was like a huge, you know, like he's going to, he's one of the legends, you know, I mean, yeah. like, yes. um, and, uh, yeah, we had a lot of success with the drum corps, obviously. Um, and, you know, 14 seasons and then it ended, um, you know, things happened and it ended and, um, and, uh, joined Dowco and it was like, um, you know, all I can say about that whole experience was it, it was just amazing. Um, I wish, I wish it could have lasted. Um, I wish I could have had the, you know, in retrospect, hindsight, whatever, uh, you know, I, I wish I would have had the opportunity to join that band maybe three or four years per, you know, prior to when I did, but things happen when they happen. Right. Um, but um, it's a shame that it all kind of came to an end when we lost the sponsorship, but that was um, unreal. It was just, it was a really unique experience because like you said, you know, even though the, at that point the band was uh, largely made up of an international unit, and even though they were still based in Vancouver, that's where you know David Helder and and his wife Shauna, um, you know, basically the the leaders of the band, the pipe major and the pipe sergeant, tremendous people. I can't say enough good stuff about those people. The best leadership I've ever played for. Um, they're just awesome, and. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know how I did it, but it was like it was one again. It was one of those things when David was on the phone to me, like 
as soon as it became kind of official that I was out of the Frasers, it was like, bam, like he was on it. And he was like, dude, like literally he's like, dude, like, what do we got to do to make this happen? And it was just, we just immediately struck up a friendship and he was like, just the coolest cat to work for. And um, it was just one of those things like, okay, what do you need me to do? Realistically, how can we make this happen? We just got the dialogue going and we figured it out. The cool thing was with those guys at the time is because it was such an international unit. I mean, literally half the band based over in the UK or, or Europe, um, you know, we had to be very clever and utilize technology and keep communication like flowing really, really well. And this is all pre pandemic too, right? Like this is all like, this is just for, just for pipe band's sake. All this yeah. had to happen. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 you know, we would do things where like a number of, a number of players would come over to, uh, you know, like the odd practice on the West coast. I would go out there. West coast people would go to Glasgow uh, and people would come in from, from, you know, from, from all over uh, Northern Ireland, Ireland, all over the UK, again, mainland Europe, like all over the, like the four corners, it seemed. And we'd meet in Glasgow for like an intensive five, you know, four or five day practice. And then, okay, see you later. See you next month or see you in six weeks or whatever. Mm-hmm. And we just made it happen. But that's a true testament to a lot of the people that were involved because they did the work at home. These days, I'm kind of maybe going on on a bit of a tangent here, but you see this a lot now. You mentioned with Jamie traveling down south. You know, that that's that's a perfect example. It's like if you're a caliber player that you're able to buckle down, stop fucking around and get the work done at home, stop being distracted by all the bullshit around you and get it done, you can just fly in and get it done and step on in with relative little difficulty, you know, yeah, um, yeah. but you got to do the work and that's the thing. And, and, you know, a, what, what a lot of people don't realize is that with these, these bands now, like these top bands, like the, the, the level of musicianship is so incredible and people come in prepared and listen, I've seen some really damn fine musicians that are sitting because they're just, they didn't do the work at home. They're sitting at practice and they've flown a long way to get to a practice and uh, you know, eight or six or eight hours on a plane to get to a couple of practices and they're sitting because they're just not prepared. It has to be that ruthless and that kind of cutthroat. But at the same time, if you come in prepared and you're ready to do the work and you show up, it's a lot of fun, you know? Yeah. You know, that's, and again, this is a great expose for those who aren't in our, in our fight club, if you will, our, our little pipe band scene. And, and, you know, to see like, this is, this is for a lot of us, this is a big part of our lives. And there's a huge commitment to playing at these top levels and flying to Glasgow or flying to wherever, to Florida, you know, there's, there's a huge, huge commitment to, to doing the work, as you say, um, but there are so many people out there that are willing to do it happily um, as you know, what, you know, it's for me, it's like I used to have a multitude of hobbies, you know, when I wasn't playing pipes, I was sort of I quit for 10 years. And in that time, you know, I played softball. I was part of this charity. I did that. You know, I had a bunch of things. Now I have but one hobby, just one. It's pipe bands. And that's it. Right. It's yeah. it's, it's like this. It's just, it's all encompassing. And it's a big one. I mean, it's like, especially if you're a family guy too, or, you know, you know, significant others and that kind of thing. It's really hard for a lot of people to kind of get on board with everything because it's expensive. Uh, There's a lot of travel. Um, 
you know, maybe, you know, as, as, as I'm sure like Finney would have been able to attest, like there's a lot like, like talk about a, talk about a, a well-honed grizzled touring machine. That guy is, you know what I mean? Oh, um, yeah. Like I'm, I'm sure he could tell you the stories. Um, and it's like, on the pipe band side of it, it's, it's very similar. Like you're kind of, you're doing it, you're not doing it for the money. Yeah. You're not not doing it for the chicks, man, or for the dudes or whatever. You're not doing it. Like it's not, it's not what people think. And it's like, you're paying your own way. You're staying in, you're sleeping on people's floors. Um, You know, you're, you're buying like the, the cheapest flight you can possibly get to Glasgow. That'll take you through 18 cities and take you 24 hours to get there. Cause it, cause you saved a couple hundred bucks. Yeah. You know, I mean, you're penny pinching to go out and have a couple of jars, you know, with your mates after a practice, like it's hard work. And then you got to do all the work, of course, you know. Um, but, you know, what a great feeling when you step off the field and, and yeah. you know, you just had the, you elevated your your level of play um, and, and you, you play you did something no matter what the grade level is like it doesn't yeah. matter. You don't need to be a top tier grade one level band or whatever, but you stepped off the field and you know, you did the work, you made something happen. You put a smile on people's faces. You made some booties shake. You made some toes tap and you had a great time playing music with your pals. Yeah. And like, that's what it's about, you know? And it's yeah. like the, like I've spent tens of thousands of dollars of my own money in, like you said, my career, yeah. playing uh in in competitive pipe bands and it's like you know i've had some success with it which is really awesome but it's like it hasn't paid one bill that's for sure you know? yeah at least finney i mean i'm i he may not be a bajillionaire but at least i believe he does get paid for some of those gigs and you know i see i see him like and it's crazy how much he hustles for what he does make i'm sure uh, in that, like, you know, he, he was, you know, I just got back from Berlin. He's in Toronto for two days and then he's in San Francisco and then he's over in Europe again. Like it's wild, the kind of tour schedule that that guy keeps, but that's what, that's what you have to do is as a non, you know, Kelly Clarkson type musician, uh, you know, or you too, who takes, you know, five years or 10 years off in between albums and tours. Uh, no, that's how people make their day to day. Right. Um, and, yeah. and. Yeah, it's that again, and I think there's a lot of that to loop it back to the punk rock thing. I think there's like a lot of punk rock work ethic that goes into pipe bands into our mm-hmm. little obsessive hobby, right? Like, I think there's a lot of of that sort of you're on your own, it's independent, independent work, and it's camaraderie, and we're all going to go and do this thing all because just because we love it, just because, yeah, like one hundred percent. And it's like it's kind of like if you don't get it you're never going to get it. And it's like, there are people like, and like, you know, you know, it's kind of become a bit of a catchphrase now, like the the punk rock work ethic or the DIY or the, the, you know, the, that, that kind of ethos. And you know what, like you can take that kind of punk rock work ethic and, and insert it into anything you do. You know, being punk rock is not just about listening to a particular genre of music. It's about how you attack the things you do that means something to you in your everyday life, whether it's your family or your job or your hobbies or your, you know, whatever. In this case, we're talking music. We're talking, and you're you're exactly right with with the Celtic stuff, with the with the the pipe band stuff. I always very much approached it that way. It was like you know, like 
I worked my ass off, man. You know, like, like, you know, I mean, I started playing when I was like eight years old. Um, I started playing drum kit a few years later, you know, uh, and I'm still doing both. I'm 49 now. And it's like, I have been doing it steadily nonstop since. And, you know, it took me a lot of years to get to a level of any kind of like, like notoriety or success Mm. that people would like kind of recognize me and tune in and listen to me banter on a, on a podcast or something, you know what I mean? Um, like, but the thing is, it's like taking that pride in what you do and working your tail off and, and literally the blood, sweat and the tears. And I think that is very much kind of where like that kind of punk rock kind of ethos can, 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 you know, work dividends. If you take that into the, into the pipe band kind of thing. I've known a lot of writers over the years that just play in bands. They show up because they want to, they want to put the kilt on and be associated with a big name group, you know? And if I'm telling you, if they don't do the work, you're not, you're, you're garbage. I'm sorry. It's harsh, but it's like, and, and it's, that's the kind of punk rock thing. It's like, listen, listen, yeah. dude, we're here to do this. And if you're not with us, you're not with us, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And there is that cut and dry sort of thing. I got my main microphone working again, thankfully, because I hate that tin can that is my webcam. You sound uh, great. Thanks, man. Yeah. But yeah. And that's, the, I do like that in the way that, and this is a draw, this is a cross comparison between let's loop another thing in here, Celtic music, pipe bands, punk rock and stand up comedy. Like, you know, it, it doesn't matter if you don't do the work before you get up on stage, you're going to bomb. And if you don't bomb, it's only because you got lucky and you pulled off your jokes. You know, uh, it, it was the right crowd at the right time, you know, but to consistently kill on stage, to consistently come and do stand up comedy, you know, every night that you're on stage and to consistently get the big laughs in the room, you have to put the work in. Right. And and it's also a, 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 a genre or an art form where you're either you you get it done or you don't. And I think the pipe bands, especially at the top levels, like you say, man, it's either you you did the work and you belong or you don't. Um, and and same with comedy, too. I, I draw a lot of comparisons in that and that it doesn't matter where you are, who you are, what your name is. If you didn't do the work, you're not getting on the field or you're not getting on stage. Yeah. Like and it's it's funny. It, like it's all relative. It's, it's actually funny you mentioned the comedy thing, because, <clears throat> you know, actually, my wife was just mentioning this uh like not that long ago we were talking and when we first started dating um she was you know we were still living in toronto and she was working for this uh this this big you know mega corporation mega mega business downtown you know uh bay street type stuff um and she would have to do these like basically she would have to attend like have to attend these kind of like social events every now and then downtown and usually let's be honest they ended up in some bar somewhere and ever the drinks are flowing and everyone's socializing, you know, whatever. So I had, I went to a couple of these events with her a couple of times. And, and one of them, it turned out that the pub that they had this event in, they were kind of switching over from like evening, you know, dinner time and the, the live entertainment for the evening. It was like a comedy night and we decided to stick around and we had, we had a blast and, and, it'll come up in conversation every now and then where we talk like, you know, it's funny because here I am as a musician, you know, and I love performing. I love playing in the band in front of, you know, on stage in front of, you know, a couple dozen people and, you know, or whatever, or, or playing in the pipe band, you know, and competing at the world championships and stuff. Um, but I, I look at people like on stage doing comedy and I'm like, I don't know how they do that. You know, I don't know how they do that. That takes 
some serious, serious guts. So yeah, I'm like, you know, but like they work their arse off, right? Well, yeah. and I took, that's when I came back to piping, uh, which has been five years now. So I was 35 and I'm 40 now. So I've been playing pipes again for five years. And when I came back, I decided, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to do competitions. I'm going to do solos. I'm going to take lessons. I'm going to really come back hard at it. Mm-hmm. And, and I knew that I was just going to like have some really down moments, you know, in those first couple of years, because after coming back with so much rust and, and especially on the pipes too, where there's so many other things like you, you know, technical things, you know, with the pipes set up and blowing and moisture and not moisture and different things anyways, to get, to get back in the swing of, right. Um, but I told myself, look, man, it's like when you started doing stand-up comedy for the first time, you're just going to go up and you're going to eat shit over and over and over again until one time you're not going to eat shit. Then you're going to eat shit a thousand more times and then you're going to do okay again. Uh, and, and it's just like this real slow progression, but that's the same attitude I had to take towards. It was the attitude of stand-up comedy. And that like, that's really important because you kind of bring up an interesting thing. It's like, you keep getting hit, keep getting hit, keep getting hit, keep getting hit. Eventually you're going to learn to right yeah yeah and it's yeah. like and then and then then you've like you've just raised the bar right like yeah. you're like okay now i know what to look out for i'm going to yeah i'm going to yeah. raise my arm so i don't get hit again yeah it's the same kind of thing you keep getting knocked off the horse you keep bailing you keep taking the scrapes it's the people who get themselves back up and keep doing that work that i was talking about it's the people who who are who are tenacious that way that will succeed and it might take a while but if you keep working at it you'll see results right and it's like i sound like a life coach now or something but it's like it's so true it's so true man listen like i've been out of bands for a couple of years now like pipe bands for a couple of years now and um you know part of that is because of the pandemic part of that is because of you know my 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 old band you know ceasing competitive operations um yeah, so and, like, and like you're saying, like being a bass drummer, you're like a goalie. Like there, there's only one of them on the team, right? Like so. I'm literally waiting by the phone, dude. Like it sucks. It friggin' sucks. And you know, like I'm waiting by the phone for the phone call that literally may never come. Yeah. But what am I doing? I'm staying ready in case that phone rings, right? And it's like when it rings, if it rings. I'm there. Yeah. It's got to be the right situation, of course, and all that stuff. But I mean, the point is, is that this is why I was competing in all the online solos this year that the PPBSO was great that they got those happening. I mean, so awesome that, that I think, I think Mike Gray has really injected some serious, awesome energy and and life into the, into the PPBSO, which is great. So awesome job, Michael. Um, I'm a fan. Uh, you know, but it's like um, we got these online contests going throughout the, the summer months in lieu of actually being there in person to compete. Yeah. And it was a perfect opportunity for me not being uh, attached to a band that I could get on there and still kill it, which I did happily say so. And but I prepared for it. I, I worked my ass off. And let me tell you, man. When I first picked up the mallets and started like rehearsing several months prior to the fact, I wasn't too happy with the way I was performing, you know, like, but I would record it. I would, I would 
watch it. I would listen. I would analyze it. Like watching game film if you're a yeah. you know, football coach or something. Like I would analyze, okay, what am I doing wrong? What am I doing? Okay, well, yeah, okay, I got to change this. I got to check. Okay, that's not working. No, okay, listen, uh, I'm rushing here. I'm, you know, and and then back back on the horse until I got it right. And, you know. Um, do, do an online contest, whether it's for drumming or for bagpipes, was certainly a test to like people's home setups, people's know-how on technical stuff, but also – uh, you're right, man. I did the same thing where you could, that was the difference is that when you're doing it online, at least with the summer series, uh, you could record it as many times as you want it. And so I would record maybe four or five different versions of it, of my tunes. Yeah. And, and my wife would say, stop listening to the same damn tunes. You're listening to yourself over and over again. I'm like, yeah, I want to, I want to listen and critique myself. Uh, and so I can play at least the best that I know how to play. Training your ear is one of those things that is everybody talks about, you know, uh, like all the usual suspects. Everyone talks about, um, you know, uh, how good your how, how good your theory is. And, and are, like, are you are you a really amazing reader and all that stuff? I'm not knocking any of that stuff. I'm a terrible theorist. Um, I've always said that I'm always very vocal about that because I, I want people to know the real deal. Um, I, I'm a feel player. I, again, I was fortunate enough that when I first started learning, I learned very quickly because it was just one-on-one with my teacher and I progressed very quickly, which was a good thing. The bad thing was, is that I probably didn't take the right amount of time to really have the theory drilled into me. The good thing about theory is you can always go back and brush up on it and learn it or relearn it or what have you. But to understand feel and develop feel um, as a drummer, to develop groove, to, to, to develop, uh, you know, like taste finesse in your playing, yeah. your ear as a musician, to know what you're listening to and to know how to analyze and break things down. These are things that are very hard to teach. And you need to just sit your ass down in the chair. Again, you got to do the work. You got to sit your butt down and you got to rep and you got to listen. It's not always about the playing. It's not always about the playing or the playing. You know, it's about listening. It's about listening and really freeing yourself to open up and hear what's going on. And I, I can't stress this enough. This is, this is a point where so many people get it wrong that they just they don't, they don't listen because they want it. They want it now. They want to, they want to win their flourishing contest and walk home with that medal, but they're not listening to the music and you got to listen, man. You, you know? know who else, you know, who else was probably, I, I can't confirm this, but was probably terrible at theory. Joey Ramone. I'm I bet. I bet. <laughs> oh, like I think probably the only one who really knew what they were doing in the band was Tommy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he was, you know, kind of like a producer. You know, he wasn't even a drummer. And he's like one of the greatest punk rock drummers of all time, you know. By the way, footnote, for all you drummers out there who like punk rock and listen to the Ramones, it's all about the hi-hat. It's all about the hi-hat. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. All right. Any of those great legendary punk rock bands, whether it's the Pistols, the Clash for sure, um, the Ramones, it's all about the hi-hat. Listen to the dynamic in the hi-hat. And when the crash comes, the Ramones are crazy because they always put it, those first three, four records, like the opening and the closing of the hi-hats on the verses and the chorus. Yeah. And then where he, where Tommy would put the crash 
It's in places where I've heard so many bands cover the Ramones and they just miss it because they're trying to play it like just four, four, four Green Day punk rock and roll, which is fine. Nothing against Green Day, um, you know, but I mean, like they miss the equation and that's the kind of stuff training your ear. That's what makes the Ramones the Ramones. Yeah. Kids. Yeah, or, or, or the Stones or Pick Your Band or whatever that has that sort of vibe. Right? Totally. Purely because we were talking about the punk rock thing. But you can, yeah. like, you know, like Char- Charlie Watts, who recently passed away. I mean, it freaks me out when I, when I would see people, like, knocking Charlie Watts. And I'm like, what? you don't get it. You don't get it. You just don't yeah. get it. Like, sure, he's not, he's not like, uh, you know, crazy double room virtuoso. Yeah. But the subtlety in his playing and what he did was perfect for what they did and just gr- like groundbreaking. Right. And yeah, yeah. you know, you gotta, you gotta listen. What was the, so what was the punk genre? What, what brought you that? So we talked obviously a lot about pipe bands and Celtic, the Celtic music idiom, what drew you into that? What drew you into the punk rock or, or metal side of music? Uh, like obviously reckless youth. Uh, but other than that, yeah. Well, well, I think that was kind of it. I mean, I, I was the youngest. I had two older siblings, my older sister and my older brother, my brother being the eldest uh, by a couple of years over my sister. Um, and, uh, you know, like growing up in the 80s, I mean, it was the kind of thing where uh, I was heavily influenced by the stuff that they were into because they were like the older kids, you know, and there was always like these cool long hairs coming around, hanging around and you know, smoking pot in the basement and stuff. And just, you know, like, um, you know, they're all like super cool people, but of course, like, you know, my brother's friends, my sister, you know, my, my brother, like I got a huge influence from him because it was mostly his record collection. That's, you know, when he was out hanging with his buddies, you know, I'd raid, I'd go into his room and raid his record collection. And that's where I got the, you know, the Sabbath and the maiden and the priest and the motorhead and the Michael Schenker group. And, uh, you know, rainbow and, 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 you know, like, like all the big late seventies, early eighties, like stadium hard rock or, or metal bands, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that was just my thing because I just something, and I should say, and my sister, of course, who, who hung out with a lot of musicians, she, she used to hang out with a lot of, you know, cool cats who were playing in the local, you know, kind of hair, hair metal kind of, bar scene yeah. which of course in the early mid 80s like that's what everyone did it was huge right um and so that was constantly always around the house me wanting to be interested in drums since as long as i can remember um and again progressing my playing through the pipe band quite quickly taking that to the drum set you know i quickly found myself able to play along to some of these records and of course um you know, wanting to play the drums, like it doesn't get any better than like some of the big heavy metal bands of the day because they've got the biggest drum sets, they've got the coolest drum sounds, they've got the loudest drums, they're playing in front of thousands of screaming chicks, you know, um, <laughs> like that was, that was, it was a no brainer, right? Yeah. So of course, you know, I, I, I can't tell you how many times, you know, I listened to you know moving pictures by Rush and just like stared at the cover and played Tom Sawyer front to back and just someday, someday I, I want to be able to do that. And funny enough, just a few months ago, I was able to finally get a cover done up on my channel. So check that out. I think I yeah, did so a you, good job of it. No, that's a, that's a Tom Sawyer. You did that on, yeah, on your YouTube channel, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it was like, 
you know, it's funny that all these years later, like I still, I go back to that moment in my brother's room with the headphones on listening to, you know, moving pictures and wanting to do that. And, you know, not, not to, not to sound like I'm a be all and end all or anything. There's so many um, like amazing players and musicians and amazing drummers out there that can drum circles around me. Absolutely. They're all over the internet, but the fact that I can get on there and actually do a decent enough cover of Tom Sawyer and not embarrass myself in front of the world, you know, um, it's like. That's a it, level. That's a, that's a cool. Like, yeah, you know, it's like, that's cool. a part. I think my parents and I think my brother and sister would be, you know, would be proud, you know? Yeah. So Caledonia drum studio, Caledonia, Ontario. I sent this to you randomly on Facebook messenger, but okay. speaking of Caledonia, Ontario, this was in the news recently. <laughs> yeah homemade license plate caught it that wasn't that wasn't you though was it that was that no it was not, not me okay although uh it does kind of look like my wife's car the color um but uh but yeah <laughs> well i mean the funny thing is like the great thing about being out here i love it out here by the way um you know it's, it's like it's kind of a it's a small town it's very small town vibe like we're only about 20 minutes outside of uh hamilton so we're close to the city um but, you know, when we were living in Hamilton, which we moved to after being in Toronto, of course, you know, re- still miss Toronto a lot. Um, but, um, you know, Hamilton, I will say this. I don't want to say anything bad about it, but, you know, like Hamilton has a grit <laughs> to it. Yes, it does. Yes, it you does. know what I'm saying? I lived, like, I lived in Hamilton for two years. So right? I and I lived right down at James and Bold, James South <sighs> and Bold. Uh, and, uh, I loved it, but you're right. There's a grit to it. There's definitely a grit. Well, we lived in a, in a pretty, uh, you know, the, our first house there it was, you know, we were just kind of getting into the market. We had a newborn typical story, you know, whatever we, we knew what we were getting into. It's all good. We did the work, uh, and you know, we're, we're at where we're at now. It's all good. But, um, you know, there was a, a lot of local color <laughs> and it, it would have been, it would have been one thing if it was just my wife and I, you know, we probably would have just laughed a lot of it off and been like, oh, yeah, whatever, you know? Yeah. But you know, the fact of the matter is when you got a little person and, and you're, you know, you're, you're, you're starting a family and you're raising a family and all the pressures that come with that, because there's always pressures, man, you know, uh, you know, like you just don't need that, uh, that local color uh, yeah. constantly showing up in your face. And um, yeah, so we, we made plans fairly early on that like, you know, we had like a five-year plan or whatever you want to call it. Um, and we were just like, we wanted to get a little bit more rural and kind of get out of the city. And so here we are and we love it. We fell in town. We, we fell in love with this town uh, a few years ago, kind of passing through randomly one time. And, and uh, I used to pass through here, every now and then with my, with my old job. And, um, you know, uh, I used to work in the craft beer business for about a decade and the time I'd be passing through on delivery routes or whatever. And, um, I just always thought it was really pretty like on the grand river and it's great out here, but like the photo you just showed, it's definitely (laughs) a little bit more rural. And so you get some, every now and then you get some kind of weird, like wacky, like what the hell is yeah, that? What, what is, uh, <laughs> like, what? Like, what is that, man? Who does that? Who the well, hell does that? Like seriously, I'm, 
I'm from I'm from Almont, Ontario, small town, four thousand people, man. And yeah, yeah I, I I know that stuff. I have buddies who would drive their uh, their tractor to high school, you know, you know, and stuff like that. I've done some pretty stupid things and some pretty dumb things, you know, in my in my youth and and in various moments of uh, altered state, shall we say, or whatever. Um, sure, but yeah. it's like, uh, you know, um, we don't have to say mushrooms, but we can say mushrooms. You know, um, that was only twice. That was only twice. <laughs> no, that was only once. That was only once. Uh, I, I think I've only ever done acid twice. That, but, the, you know, anyway, I'm not a big drug guy, by the way. Don't do drugs. It's not good. Um, but um, no, but you know what I mean? It's like every now and then, like something like that will happen. You're like, holy shit. Like who... Like, I, I want to know the conversation that went down leading up to that. Like, like what, what happened? You know, I just, that's what I want to know. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. What, 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 what emergency warranted creating a license plate out of cardboard? You know, like, yeah, there's, there's always the backstory that you're curious about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah crazy, man. Crazy. Johnny, it's been great hanging out tonight. Um, our uh, our time has uh, is w- winding up here. It's coming to a close, but it's been a great chat about Celtic music, pipe bands, how you got drawn into it. And like yourself, too, you know, you said you didn't have any family members that were in the pipe band mafia. You just sort of came across it, honestly. Same thing for me, too. You know, we know so many people who do it and their parents did it and their grandparents did it. Um, but no, same as uh, you know, I, I just I just found the music, loved it. Love the idiom, especially jigs. My daughter, too, as we saw off the top, loves the jigs, the six eights. Um, and yeah, man, it's been uh, great connecting. And, and shout out to Finney and uh, his new solo record. And I believe he has some dates in November for those who uh, want to catch uh, Finney. I believe it's, hang on a second. It's not the Mahones and it's not Finney solo. It's called Ultra Bomb. They've got dates all over through uh, November in Ontario. So shout out to Finney. Hopefully we'll get him back on the podcast. Man, yeah, we'll you missed him. Go, go, go support local music for sure. Check him out if he comes to a town near you. Yes, absolutely. Well said. And and you're obviously welcome back too, Johnny. I think we can have some more great chats, man. Yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to, man. It goes by so quickly and it's great chatting with you. Thanks yeah. for having me on the program. Super, super cool. Another edition of Big Chris Live next Thursday at 9 p.m. Every Thursday at 9 p.m. DeanBlundell.com, part of the Dean Blundell Podcast Network. Spotify, Apple Podcasts for the audio version. I'll edit out the microphone farts and all the technical stuff that we had go. It was a weird. Is it a full moon or is it retrograde? Or I don't know. Anyways, uh, thanks for everyone uh, watching here live this evening. And we'll talk again soon. Thanks again, Johnny. Cheers. Thank you. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network. Hi, I'm Mercedes Nickel, four-time Winter Olympian and host of Dropping In, a podcast with Mercedes. 
This is a podcast where I interview a bunch of different people. I get the good, the bad, and the ugly, as well as I share my stories along the way. Now you can drop in at droppingin.com or subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. I'll see you soon.